Hi, and welcome back to the farm. I'm Katja Williams, the Rural Mum, and I'm so excited because today we get to mark the continuation of our interesting interview and insights with Debbie Klein. This is part two of You've Married a Farmer, Now What? If you missed part one, please go back and watch it. It was Tuesday's episode and was all about homesteading with Deb. In this episode, we dive deeper into the practical aspects of transitioning to farm life. We'll be discussing everything from balancing responsibilities during the initial move to preparing your farm for a cosy welcome atmosphere once everything is complete and set up. Debbie also shares valuable tips on working for yourself, embracing the challenge and finding joy in everyday tasks. So if you've ever wondered how you can make the transition of finishing up work and moving to the farm, embracing the new responsibilities, or how the mental and physically prepare for the farm, for your journey ahead, and where you're in the right place, then this episode is for you. Stay tuned for our conversation filled with insights, laughter, and practical advice. Don't forget to hit the like and subscribe button to hear more stories like this. Now let's get into part two with Deb. Hi and welcome to the farm. I'm Katja Williams, the rural mum, and today we're talking with Deb. Welcome Deb. Thank you. We're talking, you've married the farmer, now what? So Deb, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background and your family. Well, I'm from a farm originally, way over at Coonabarabran and did teaching for 35 years, did a big loop and came back home to roost on the Castle Ray. But I had to convince my husband that that was a good spot to come home to. He's from the Hunter Valley and um, so I met Glenn over there and uh, we wanted to buy a cattle farm together but we didn't want to pay horse stud prices <laughs> so we found a little block and it was on the Castlereagh River and it was like home country for me so we came and looked at it and he was quite happy to move and um, you know it's a lovely um, property it's not large it's only 430 acres but it's certainly big enough to get around in a day and run cattle and that's what we do fencing was tragic <laughs> So a lot of work there, a lot of um, long days in the sun, you know, patching up fences and trying to make it secure. But but all that brings you together, you know, working together on a farm um, under difficult conditions of heat and flies and no money for expensive fences and all that stuff. And, you know, trying to make sure that the fence line's straight when you're the one eyeing it off. <laughs> you get in trouble if it's crooked. <laughs> All that just brings you together, you know, um, and I think um, it it seals the deal for working a farm together when you're working it together. And um, so for me, it was um, it was quite lovely and a real homecoming feeling to be back in that kind of country that I knew. Um, and for Glenn, it was something new and different. He was from a dairy farm over in Hunter Valley, so fairly soft country, you know, and um, no great huge wide open spaces that we had. Um, so it was different for him to um, get his head around how he was going to manage that. And 
you know, it's been um, really good for us both to collectively come together on a new patch of ground, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's been good for us both to do that. Um, and we run cattle, so we just are graziers. We're not really farmers. It's the easy way out. <laughs> you have a cup of tea on the veranda and you say, you watch the girls go past and keep up the good work <laughs> kind of thing. And then you only bring, not sheep, no sheep. It was a sheep property with a wool shed and everything, but that's just such constant work that, you know, it wasn't for us at the time. I was still doing a bit of teaching. And uh, yeah, so that's worked. Um, the old farmhouse is just a, an old farmhouse, but you know what, it's one of those places that expands when all the children come and relatives, and then it comes back, you know, for us. We leave the front door and the back door wide open. Things come through, <laughs> like birds and <laughs> lizards and, you know, um, and the, the mud wasps at the moment. But, um, that's the way I like it, you know. I, I find it really interesting when you go to visit somebody in a city and the house is so clean. There's no spiders in the corner. No spiders or dust. <laughs> no, it's just, it's not, you don't know what the weather is at home, you know. You, you just look out a window or you can feel it, what the weather's doing. And that's important on a farm, yeah. you know, day by day to know what the weather, what the day is going to shape up like. But when you're in the city, in, in a town, in a house with no spiders in the corner, <laughs> you have no idea. So that, you know, that dislodges me a little when I'm in a place like that. I need to be where I can feel the weather and um, where, you know, the, the doors are open yeah. and the wind comes through. <laughs> Every now and then the daddy long legs get too much and I tell them to just you know, sort out their furniture a little bit better because yeah. it's just too much. Um, and that's the way I am and, you know, I will go through the house and pull a cobweb down or dust off a cabinet and go, it's my housework done for the week. <laughs> I'd like to take a break in today's episode to point out some background noise. You may be noticing that there is a background sound of popping and banging. This is because Deb and I both com compete in competitive shooting and at a club level. This is because Deb and I both shoot in a local club for pistol. If you are interested in learning how to shoot sport pistol, meeting a great group of people, consider pistol shooting. If you are interested in workshops, classes, and even honing in your skills with Mike like-minded people then please ask how you can be involved and get involved in the girls on target a fantastic group where we bind together to hone our pistol shooting skills now back to today's episode i think there are other priorities you know um and if you have visitors every few months then that's good because you clean well and you're right then <laughs> Yeah, so, um, you know, the old farmhouse with the veranda all the way around is just um, the best thing, yeah. you know. So much happens on the veranda. It's a real Australian thing, yeah. you know, and you've just got to watch your toes when the grandchildren are on their bikes and the, the cars and the toys are everywhere and, you know, that's where you wash your chooks <laughs> on the veranda. <laughs> wash your chooks. <laughs> That's where so many things happen, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. So you touched on it a little bit, Deb, but tell me a little bit more about priorities. So 
Um, tell me about some of the priorities down the paddock. Oh, um, well, fencing was the main priority to start yeah. with. Um, and then, of course, when we headed into the drought, the water is the priority. We had um, we have a big erosion gully that goes through one of the paddocks. And we thought, well, that's a waste of water to see that all powering down into the river. So we had an old fellow come out. And we said, Wally, we want to dam this. And he looked around and he checked out a few trees. He didn't have any instruments. And he goes, yep, I think we'll put it here. And as he started digging with his bulldozer, he said, you know, there was a dam here before. So he'd picked the exact spot that in the 1800s they'd dammed that gully. He came to a sandbar and he said, well, that's why it failed. Uh, you know, that um, the dam must have broken back in the day or, or you know, sort of seeped out. So, um, and then after that, we had a big dam put in. It was just wonderful. Um, and after that, we had all these stories from people in town to say, oh, the dam's back. Old Mr. Whoever that had the property used to drive his ute across the top of the dam wall to get from the main road to the house because it was quicker. And, um, and then there was the legend of the night that he drove into the dam, he fell into it with his ute, <laughs> all that. But then the dam broke after the drought um, many years later, yeah. But um, that was a priority to, to, you know, secure some more water there and it is still an ongoing thing. Yeah. Um, I have visions of a, of a nice big wetland soak to slow up that water that comes down that gully um, and we'll make that happen as well. But also then in the drought, you know, digging out dams and getting them deeper so that, um, so that we're a bit more secure for the next dry spell. Um, that's been a priority and regenerating the land yep. has been probably right at the top of the list actually. It was a sheep property, it was um, hard as a rock, every fence was down, every gate had been opened, the sheep were allowed everywhere and they had cattle too. And it was just flogged to death, you know, it was, a, it was down to, you know, the barest of bare. And it wasn't even the drought. So we didn't stock it for a while, we fenced. And then um, it, by doing that and letting, you know, we had some nice rains come through and the grasses just came back like, you know, tenfold. It was beautiful. So before regenerative farming became a catchphrase, that's what we realised we were doing. Yep. By not stocking intensively. And um, now, at this point, of this year, the old dry grass is up to our knees. Yeah. And then under that is the lovely green fresh growth we've got. We, we just keep, um, there's little bits of loose and there's oats and there's rye coming up in amongst it. I used to have a bag, like an old school bag on my shoulder and when I'd go around in the gopher, um, the side by side to check the cows, I'd just throw a bit of loose and seed out <laughs> whenever I remembered or if I was on the horse. I'd have my bag on, my yeah. satchel, and I'd just toss a bit of loose in here and there, seeds out. And over the years, um, the pastures have been, you know, come up really well. Yeah. And we had um, a relative that works in the CSIRO come out one year and we went just random out to plant a tree. And we just dug a hole and there were worms. And he was amazed. He said, how can there be worms in the middle of the paddock, like right here? 
in this spot where you want to create shade and there's nothing else. And I said, well, that's because of the ground cover, you know. So um, the agents have remarked at the sales that our cattle always look good. And it's through, pretty much through nothing we've done by doing nothing. <laughs> yep. You know, you know what I mean? Um, they get drenched in the autumn and the spring when the bugs are bad, when the kids at preschool get head lice, yeah. you know, and, and when the dogs get fleas and when the chickens get lice, you know, well, that's when it's time. When all those little bugs are getting really excited, that's the time to drench your cows. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's good to know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So if there's head lice at school, yeah. <laughs> drench your cows. <laughs> yeah, it all, it all goes together. It yeah. just all goes together. Yeah. And so because you and Glenn spent so much time early on on your block doing some fencing and rebuilding that way, what would be your top tools that you would say are a must-have for anyone on the farm? Actual tools, mm. not psychological tools. Or you can do both. <laughs> we can talk about both. A good pair of fencing strainers. <laughs> yeah. One of the first things, and, and it was psychological as well, one of the first things we did was um, we got a pair of good fencing strainers but they were already second hand um, and I had them engraved the name of our property is Mount Abundance so I yeah. wrote Mount Abundance Fencing Company um, I got them properly engraved and I presented them to Glenn I said this is it this is our work tool and you know that made a difference yeah. up here and um, yeah so we had a good pair of a good set of strainers uh, a good post hole shovel now there's another thing on Valentine's Day I gave him a a clam shovel yeah. for post holes because you know like you can only get so far with your arm down a post hole and a little cup yeah <laughs> everyone's been there so I got him a bright yellow clam shovel but I painted with pink nail polish a big love heart on it because it was Valentine's Day <laughs> and you know that pink nail polish is still there yeah <laughs> we've used it over and over again that big sh um, clam shovel and the love heart still on it, so the love's still in it. That's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, so that that's does funny. make a big difference to mindset. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. does. And you know, I think one of the best tools we had was a um, was a really good little vehicle to get around in. In the early days, it was just a really old step toe and some kind of flatbed truck, um, which was great for throwing reels of wire and everything on. But now it's just a little go for a little side by side because yeah. <clears throat> the old the old truck is now a hay feeder <laughs> and a mouse keeper. But um, yeah, so just a, a good vehicle, um, a good set of strainers and some pliers, you know. In those early days, it's what you give each other for Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> nice set of pliers. Yeah. So it is okay, everyone who's listening from home, that you can buy each other tools and equipment for the farm for yeah. each other, especially if you're going to be working together long, hard hours yeah. and those little extra... I'm thinking of you bits and pieces that you will see and hear later on in life, like the love heart, like the engraving. It's a bit of fun. It's very personalised and it yeah, just helps. I think so, you know, and, and just to have those tools connecting you together. Yeah. You know, it's not just things you use because you have to use them because you have to have them. They're things that we use together, yeah. you know. It's kind of like when you come across a tree branch in the paddock that's so worn down by the cows rubbing on it yeah. and it's so covered in lanolin that you can't help but feel it. That's what your tools become, yeah. you know. They just are worn 
and they're oily from your hands and your sweat and yeah. yeah. And some of our favourite times and, and some of my favourite photos are when we've just... I took a photo once in a paddock under a shady tree of our boots together. We're sitting on the ground and our boots are there and we're just ha and the thermos is right there and we're just having a cuppa and we'd finished the fence line. You know, so there's the finished little bit of fence and there's our shoes and there's our, our thermos and we're just having a cuppa, you know, yeah. done, job done. done. <laughs> yeah, your little cut out part. Yeah. yeah, that's right, you know, and I think, um, I think when you're working together on a farm, it's a lot of give and take and it's a lot of patience and it's a lot of just waiting for um, him to get the line of sight of the fence exactly right. <laughs> um, and then at the end of the day, it's, you know, congratulating yourselves that you've done a good job. Yeah. And how do you like to implement that into mm. a routine, into your days on the farm? Yeah, we just, um, you know, we do, we do a lot of things together and um, it's really nice at the end of the day to go, well, we'll better, we better go check cows. We had a huge cracker of a lightning storm the other yeah. day and it was right above and we've lost cows to lightning before. One old fella said to us, you'll know they've been struck by lightning if their hooves are blown off. Sure enough. Oh my goodness. That's what happens. Yeah. So we had this huge storm and I said to Glenn in the morning, we had no time before we had to go and do other things. I said, we're just going to go around the cows now and just do a head count, make sure they're all standing, you know, and that was really um, a really good feeling together to make sure that, you know, we're checking them and they're right and everything else is fine. There's no trees across fences and things like that because it was pretty wild. Yeah. Something that just came to mind though of doing things together and patience. In the early days I did feel a bit like, um, I don't know if many of your viewers will remember Barbie Rogers from um, Sale of the Century it was. <laughs> anyway, and she was the girl that would be just standing there and presenting the prizes and being the beautiful person in the picture. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes you can feel like that as the woman on the farm who doesn't know how to use a piece of equipment. You can feel like I'm just standing here holding this piece of wire or whatever for you and you know, and I'm not really doing I I don't know how to do the thing you're doing. So I'm just standing here. And you could probably do it yourself, so why am I here? <laughs> kind of you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um but if you do, you know, you just got to be able to say that to your partner and say, you know, how, how else can I help? What can we, show me how that works. Teach me how to do that. So then you're doing it together and you're not just the person holding the end of the string, so to speak. You know, I think, you know, you have to feel equal in it um, to get the value from it emotionally. Um, and you can only do that sometimes by getting him to show you how to do it, you yeah. know. Working on those communications mm. and really feeling like you're part of the team. That's right. Like I can go and start the old grey Fergie with the crank handle and, and use it. Yeah. Um, but the big tractor with the hydraulics and so many buttons, 
you know, I've got a little notepad, my little cheat sheet, because yep. I don't do it often enough. Yep. Um, and you've got to find those little ways too. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So you've got to be able to um, feel an equal part of it, I guess is what I'm feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And that all starts with a bit of communication and sometimes oh, sure. feeling like you're standing out. Yeah, that's right. And especially, I think, you know, for young mummers too, that like yourself, that have got little ones, you know, and you can't be out there all the time and you sometimes would rather, much rather be the person on the tractor <laughs> than in the kitchen or in the, um, you know, out in the playroom or whatever, or cleaning up everything. <laughs> but you can't. And, yeah, and, and communication is the key then to, um, to being part of that day that he's had and, and, and for him to be part of your day too, you know, yeah. We do a, um, it's much easier now with the boys when they do like show and tell, because now they're, they're talking and they're quite interactive, so they'll do a show and tell of our day and then Ned will do a show and tell of his day on oh, the farm. yeah. And so it really brings a really nice, that's lovely. nice synergy together. Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. So Deb, what was the hardest thing about moving to the farm where you are now, or the biggest hurdle? Um, well, it came at the same time as Glenn retired from his full-time job that yeah. he had forever. So the biggest hurdle was to um, fit into a new place together where he wasn't going off to work every day, you know, and so... Um, working for yourself you know which all the farmers do and it was it was a an interesting time to get that self-motivation going of right now we have to go and do this let's attack this fence line this week you know yeah so that was a big thing i think in the beginning was um was working out how to plan your days and weeks when you didn't have somebody telling you how to do it yeah and mm. how did you go about doing that did you go around together and Oh, mostly I bossed him around. You bossed him around, yep. Because, <laughs> you know, women, women are the list writers. Yeah. <laughs> and men are the procrastinators. <laughs> so between the two of us, like, to start with, yeah. And, and I found that I had to do that to, to help him focus. Yeah. Um, on, you know, to narrow down with your blinkers on what, what needed to be done first. And yeah. obviously the river fence was the first thing. So, you know. Uh, um, so, and once I said that... Um, this is what we need to do, this river fence. And then he was able to go, well, we need to get this and we need to get how many posts. And then he was right, yeah. you know. It's just, yeah, to start with, it was yeah. like, yeah. Yeah, and <laughs> sometimes guidance. giving yourself that permission to do that job as well. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it needs to be verbalised. Like, it might be on your job list, but as soon as you verbalise it, it's now on both your job lists. That's and right. And then sometimes that's the permission you need to go and get the motivation to do the job. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. So I think that was probably the biggest hurdle. Um, and we were we were coming back and forward for, you know, we were three hours away and we were back and forward for a few years, a good few years. Um, you know, so that was interesting until he finished full time. We were just coming over on weekends, every second weekend. And so being away from the farm to start with and helping you know, trying to shape it. So there was a lot of energy involved. We needed, you know, to be really, um, really on the ball with um, 
one life and then moving into another life. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that transition yeah, period. That's right. How were the the drives? You said three hours. How was the drive from when you left to when you arrived at the farm? Did you end up having a a routine or a process that you moved through together before you got to the farm? Did you know what you were gonna do before you left home or you decided on the drive? Um, no, we knew what we needed to do when we got what jobs we had to do for the weekend. But when before we left home, I was just thinking what food we need and he was probably thinking what tools we need. Yeah. <laughs> so between the two of us, we managed to work it out all right. And, and then you could feel between us not so much the excitement as the um, loosely happiness coming yeah. in um, as we got really close to Mindoran and then we'd see you know several kilometers before we got to our place you could see our mountain yeah and we'd always say there's our mountain there's our mountain <laughs> that's beautiful yeah. so that was really nice yeah so a six hour round trip so on average in those early days how long were you spending working on the farm over the weekend I worked, oh well, we were working from dawn till dusk yeah. um, and we'd leave on a Sunday late about five or six o'clock you know, yeah. and get home in the dark. Yeah. Um, but I worked out on average for the first few years, we were there only a few months yeah. altogether. Yeah. <laughs> you know, how many nights we were there, yeah. About working solid. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. That's why I had to think about the food because we needed to be fed well. <laughs> yeah. No, but it was good. It was good. And it was a good way to start it too. Yeah. We had, you know, a real purpose. Yeah. Mm. So we're leading into into summer, into more dry climate at the moment. There's lots of talk about are we, aren't we going to sink into another drought? And for some areas that has already happened, that's already been declared. Is there anything that you're doing, particularly on your property for drought? We're just not buying any more stock. We're not buying any more stock. <laughs> it's a good place to start. <laughs> We're not buying any more stock. We are expecting carving to start um, next, at the end of this month. Yeah. Uh, so we're looking at our options for hay. Yeah. So we need to um, probably be getting some more fodder in ready. But <clears throat> we need to be selling off our some of our wieners. We've got steers that we will sell um, at the end of the year. And you know like we still are fairly low on our stocking rate anyway um, we've got a lot of good water in our bore so even though we've got probably eight dams we've got three still with water yeah so and and one of them will hold two of them will hold right through a drought pretty yeah. well yeah so we're very lucky with water um, yeah, you've just got to watch your, your amount of stock that you've got. Uh, we're saving, we've got a big paddock we're saving for calves when yeah. they come. Yeah. So we're already a li little bit aware and prepared. We're certainly not going to buy anything more in. No. <laughs> and we were speaking earlier in the interview about lightning. So mm. with lightning comes power outages and potentially fire. So how are you set up for lightning storms on the um, yeah, well, the frightening thing is if animals get struck, and because we've had that happen before, you know, that's what we think of. Uh, and, and fire, well, we have the old fire trailer, like everybody has, full of water. But, you know, in um, in Duran, there was a fire the other day on a property. Somebody was rock raking yep. and um, sparked a fire. He had his water tanker there. He had 
a fire break, but the wind just took it up into the scrub, you know, and away it went. And very quickly, though, the fire um, brigade were onto it. Fire trucks were there, and every man yeah. nearby had his trailer ready. And that's all you can do. Yeah. You know, um, I think we've just got to be aware and check and <laughs> be ready for other people to to help. Now they had um, a call out for fireys to go to Gleninus in Tenterfield mm -hmm. recently, um, and some of our fire people were thinking can't really because you know if something we've had that really here. quick fire just then that took out 50 acres mm. you know we need to be needed on the ground yeah so um, when I say how we've got a lot of regenerated paddocks you know we do have a lot of dry fuel in the paddocks as a result of that too so it's it's always a bit of a a fear that you know things can go up. Yeah. We did have a fire once that um, was a truck going along the main road which is one of our frontages that was dropping sparks and we weren't there we were just coming over and we could see this fire and it was one of those afternoons we were coming over and um, we didn't get the happy feeling because there was a lot of smoke and I said oh that looks a bit close and sure enough when we came and saw our property there were fire engines all over the paddocks and there'd been a um, you know, three paddocks burnt out. They'd stopped it yeah. before the house, luckily. But everyone was there, you know. So good. Yeah, it's really good. That's the benefit of being in a really tight-niche community as well. That's right. And, like, after the fact, I went to the pub and I put a big piece of cardboard on that said, everyone that helped in the fire, you know who you are, have a drink on us, and I left some money with the barman. Lovely. And they all knew, you know, yeah. they, would, they would go and have this schooner. Yeah. <laughs> That's but, a beautiful uh, thing to do. Yeah, well, it, you know, you're not there. <laughs> yeah, so um, you've just got to be conscious. And, the, you know, one of the hardest things for everybody around at the moment is that there's so much fuel on the road, um, so much grass on the road mm -hmm. that, you know, you, it's impossibly expensive to get your cattle on the long paddock now. Uh, you, you just can't afford it. Yeah can't be there all the time with them you can't you know electric fence them it's just to you know the insurance and so there's so much grass on the side of the road ready to go up it doesn't take much no. Mm. No. so Deb that probably brings me to the end of my formal end of my questions for the interview was there any other tips tricks stories that you would impart on someone else who's moving to the farm for the first time I think for me you just have to embrace the nature. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, we're all part of the land and the country looks after us um, if we don't fight it, yeah. I think. I think if you can become one in your mind with the patch that you're on, and I mean, I love it when the thistles grow and the Patterson's curse is just so pretty and all those horrible things that people say, you know. Uh, I just think, well, Mother Nature knows what she's doing and you've got to run with that, you know, and you can't fight it too much because it's too hard. You have to find a place on your farm that really makes you still in your soul. And then you'll be right. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. what I think anyway. 
Lovely. Thank you very much, <laughs> Thank <Jay>. you. <laughs> for coming on today. Thank you. <laughs> So that wraps up today's episode. We hope you've really enjoyed Deb's tips, tricks, hacks and stories about marrying a farmer and moving to the land. And in this case, Deb was also from the farming background. So if you like content like this, please like and subscribe to the channel and also head over and visit us on Instagram. We're full of other tips, tricks and hacks there and we're building the community of the rural mum. So please join us. We'd love to have you. Thank you. <laughs>